Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Raman And With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here. He's got a fresh haircut. We are ready to roll. Today's going to be a little bit different because I have not told Mike, outside of the first topic we're going to cover, which is Survivor Series, what we are going to talk about today. So it's going to be an interesting day today. We're still going to do the exact same thing we always do, which is bring you the very best in sports every single week. Uh, but Mike, let's just jump right in here. Survivor Series 2020, um, one of the core four pay-per-views for WWE. Um, it, you know, it's been around for such a long time now, and it's it's morphed over the years, right? We went from just having literally just all tag matches, right? These eight by eight, and everyone had a nickname, and you know, Roddy Piper's Pipers, and you know, the Million Dollar Teams, and Andre's this, and Hogan's that, and whatever, the Ultimate Warriors, and that kind of stuff, and, and we've now morphed into, you know, brand versus brand supremacy, then that kind of went away for a minute, and it was like, now you only have like one traditional Survivor Series match, and then everything else is kind of blah, and now we're kind of back into like the middle, where we've got brand supremacy, but we're also trying to make the only the two Survivor Series matches mean something, now we've got champions versus champions, it's like they took that bragging rights pay-per-view and went, Wait, we don't need another pay-per-view like this. We should just make it Survivor Series, right? That's NXT last year was a part of it. This year they are not for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, th this card has got some potential. I love the champion versus champion dynamic because if done right, it, it, it allows for people to be like, you know, theoretically, who's going to win this match, right? And that that to me is always a study. Even though because there's no titles on the line, it's just I, I always enjoy the, okay, wh where do they think these guys are at, right? Like, Okay, Shinsuke versus Seth Rollins. Okay, Seth's probably going over in this match. But what if they, you know, what if they go this route? What does that say about what they think of the United States Championship or the Intercontinental Championship or which world title they like more kind of thing? So uh, the card is pretty much, is, is the card set at this point outside of McIntyre and Orton? I know they have a WWE title match on Monday night, but... Is there anything else that's like kind of um, up in the up in there? Do we have all the members of the Survivor Series teams yet, or no? No, we're missing one SmackDown men. Okay. And then we're missing one SmackDown women. I okay, guess. Okay, great. So they're really booking that up to the last freaking second, aren't yeah. they? The pay per view is literally next week. But okay, sure. Yeah, something like that. Uh, either way, though, I think we can kind of hit this pretty accurately. I would say, mm -hmm. regardless of that. So let's just go through the card real quick, Mike. We're gonna preview that, and then we're gonna go through some other stuff. Cool. Uh, so we'll start with Asuka, the Raw Women's Champion, mm -hmm. versus Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, who do you think wins? I think this is technically Sasha's going to win by DQ because I think Bailey is going to interfere okay. or something like that. Um, That's fair. Uh, I, 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 for a second there, I was like, wait, what? Because I was thinking Asuka was putting the title on that. Mm -hmm. like, I, I thought I heard they want to keep the title on Asuka until at least Mania. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I think Sasha technically gets the win because I don't think that feud is done and I think Bailey's going to attack. Asuka doesn't have... A real opponent right now, you know what I mean, on the raw side, for them to be like, okay, they're gonna maybe maybe they start something on Survivors. I'm not sure, but right now I just don't. This match is one of those where it's like it. That's the only way they can get out of it because I don't even want to beat Sasha because mm -hmm. she just got the title, and they're not gonna beat Oscar either. Yeah, um, I'm gonna also take Oscar whether it's by DQ and or just yeah. by like interference, and then you get the pin off of interference. Right, right. something crazy. Oh, there, there. That's a good call too. Yeah, basically yeah, like she like hurts. interferes, yeah. knocks her out, and then For she sure. wins or something. It's gonna For be something sure. like that. Yeah. Um, the new day, the Raw Tag Team Champions will versus the Street Profits. The SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Can I just tell you, just as a side note, how bummed I was when they did that segment where they're like, oh, Maybe. just make the switch. And yeah. I was like, wait, what? That was, I was so mad. I, was I like, told you it was going to happen. I know. I was so pissed. I was like, oh, I was. A, I was hoping for a unification, which I knew yeah. wasn't going to happen. But then I was hoping, like, well, maybe the new teams are going to have to fate, like, they're going to have to go back to their old shows and then they drop the titles to yeah. their teams. Nope. We're just going to trade them because. Why the hell not? Um, I think the Street Profits actually get the win here. I, I, I They're so high on them right now. And to an extent, I guess I get it. Um, but the New Day is so established at this point where they can take a loss and it, and it really doesn't matter. As we saw, they literally just get a random tag title shot and they just win the belts whenever. Yeah. Um, I'll also take the Street Profits because of pretty much that exact same reason. Yeah. It's... That, uh, this, unfortunately, is probably the match that I'm least looking forward to just because there are no real solid tag teams at the moment. So mm -hmm. it's like they're just kind of holding them right mm -hmm. now and then defending them against the same four teams over and over again. Yeah, uh, Bobby Lashley, the United States Champion, will versus Sami Zayn, the Intercontinental Champion. Um, I will take 
Sami Zayn because I hope that he wins because I yeah. hope Bobby Lashley doesn't win. <laughs> I think Sami gets it too. I think Retribution has something to do about this too, unfortunately. Um, but I- I'm digging what Sami Zayn's doing yeah. right now. He is a he's so good on so many different levels. I'm so glad that he is the Intercontinental Champion right now. I can't even tell you how happy I am that he is. Um, so I'm not. I think this match still has a, has a real potential to shock people because Bobby Lashley has his best moments against smaller guys and against guys that will bump around for him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's why Bobby Lashley versus you know Drew didn't really work as well as I think people had hoped because it doesn't. They they both kind of do the same things mm-hmm. as far as like you know what I mean. I think Drew's more athletic, but I, it just doesn't work when you got two big colossal titans fighting each other. Sammy is a chicken crap heel. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like it, I think it works really well. Yeah. Uh, so you have Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, versus I guess either Randy Orton or Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Because I'm, they have that match on Monday. Yeah. I think they did a really good job, at least teasing it, teasing. Yep. The fact that maybe McIntyre could win. Yep. But I do by think going well, to SmackDown by going week. to SmackDown. Yep. But I do think Orton wins yes. and then goes on and probably wins this match. Really? Yeah. Really? Probably. Okay. I think they need to build Orton up because he's lost like 15 pay-per-views in a row. And then he wins the title. <laughs> and then he wins the title, so. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it was interesting to see Drew come over and kind of have that stare down with Reigns. It makes you think, man, that that could be money yeah. all day, every day. Um, I think Roman still, I don't think this match ends clean in any respect, um, which is unfortunate because I think this match... Although I don't think it's necessarily going to be the most action-packed match in the world, I definitely think it has potential to be, like, two major stars going at it, and we're just going to, you know, see what goes on. Um, You know, I'm going to say Roman gets it, only because Roman is so on fire, but I totally agree with your logic that I think Orton almost needs the win more. Yeah. But I don't know if they're going to look at it and say, okay, just beat Drew at Hell in a Cell, now he's going to beat Drew again and Raw... Where does that go? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I am surprised that, they, that they're even doing this because, you know, I thought Drew would probably been on the Survivor Series team to kind of keep him going mm-hmm. momentum-wise, and they haven't done that, so that's a little shocking. Yeah. So now we'll get to the Survivor Series tag matches. Yeah. So we'll go to the women's one first. So you have Team Raw, uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Lana. Sure. We'll verse Team SmackDown, Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan... Oh, and two other members to be determined. Good lord. Okay. So they only have three members right now. I thought I only saw one, but it's actually two members. You know what the sad part is? I still think I'm going to take SmackDown, even though I don't even know who the last two peoples are. You know why? Hmm. Because looking at this team, okay, Nia, Shayna, all right, and then you got Mandy Rose, Dana, and Lana, right? So the last three are easy outs, right? I think that they are in love with Bianca Belair, as they should. She's fantastic. Um, and I think that they're gonna get they're getting behind Liv Morgan and Ruby. I think just those three men alone. I think for me, I could go okay because you'll plug in okay, throw in an Italia or throw in a, a you know whoever right. Mm-hmm. I just I still I'm still gonna take SmackDown. I don't even know why, but I think I am. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take Team Raw because yeah. I think it's gonna come down to Nia Jax and Shayna. And yeah. whether I think maybe one of them get eliminated, I think right. like the other, probably Shayna more than likely mm-hmm. probably just takes over and dominates the win. Yeah. In the end game of the match, for so sure. I'm gonna take for sure. Team Raw. Yeah. Also, be. I think we should just add this in. Um, why are they fighting? Who do you mean? Like Raw versus SmackDown? Like, cause yeah. they're not fighting right for anything. No. Yeah. And like, and we'll get to the men's side, but they've yeah. been having this whole oh, who's the team captain? But yep. who cares who the team captain is? Right, yeah. We're not, yeah, you're not getting anything out of this. The brand supremacy thing has not been, at least last year with NXT, they had NXT invading where it was like, yeah. oh, all right, like yeah. young upstart guys are coming in and taking over. Um, here, you've had no cross promotion at all. Yeah. You've had nobody coming through the crowd to attack the other guys, nothing like that. I agree with you 100% that that is the, the biggest missing piece from this show. Yeah. I think they are heavily relying upon champion versus champion yeah and these matches although have stars in them are very much like yeah. afterthoughts i know i wish they would just do some kind of thing where it's like okay if you win yeah then you get to get put into like a tlc match at tlc right. and if you win that then you get a world title match or yeah. something or, or something or yeah, something there's, there's some, some kind sort of, of match. stakes yeah. right that... so like you want to be the sole survivor right because then you can move on to tlc to or get a even, match or, or just something. the winning team you get you know then we have a five-way p- yeah. challenge at tlc or we have a five-way challenge and the winner of that match goes to tlc to challenge Orton for the yeah match. something, like something that. to make me feel like okay they have their differences 
but we're all going to go, you know, we, we're all we're all going to stay together for this one specific purpose, and then we'll beat each other up later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That is a, a big flaw in the way they've kind of made this, mm-hmm. made these matches, and I'm not really necessarily in love with the Wens sides, either one, quite no. frankly. All right, so then the final match yep. of the day, I guess, would be Team Raw. AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Matt and Riddle. Yeah, don't don't say don't his say first. Matt, don't you uh, dare say his first name. Don't you dare. Um, and they'll take on Team SmackDown: Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and a to be determined person. What are the odds that it's the Undertaker? Hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the missing piece here, right? You know, and that's something I did want to hit on a little bit. Is is, is Taker's thirtieth anniversary here? Yeah. Um. Yeah, this one's weird for me. I'm gonna say Raw wins. I don't really. That's you know, you know, I didn't even really think about the stakes until you just kind of said it, and it kind of just hit me all at one time. But when you make when you make that argument, it's hard for me to be like, honestly, who cares? Because yes. like you know, I, I guess Raw because Raw pretty much got dominated last year in in the Triple Threat Survivor Series team matches, you know. Um, so I, I guess Raw. Yeah. But. I don't know. <laughs> because it's, it's not even, like, a thing where, like... Yeah. I think this would have been a perfect time, if anything, yeah. to do the um, the shake-up yeah. or the draft. Yes. And if you win, yeah, you, right. get yeah, you get a pick or stick or yeah, something. Right. Like, yeah. there's something. Literally, they're yeah. just fighting because and it's Survivor Series and it's Raw vs. SmackDown. Right. And no one really cares because right. it's not, like, a rating. I almost wish them. they would have maybe abandoned the Raw and SmackDown and we would have just seen, like, okay, we've got... AJ's gonna assemble a team, yeah. and then if he's feuding with, I would, I would have even maybe if get rid of maybe some of the, the 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 champion versus champion stuff, and maybe just go, hey, listen, we're gonna have four or five traditional Survivor Series, and then maybe just do your your world champions going at it, like you know what I mean, I, or something. I personally would love just put all the champions on a team. Yeah, they could do. <laughs> Ring of Honor does it every yeah. year. Ring, uh, do you know all stars versus champions? Yeah, every do year. Reigns, yeah. Sami Zayn, and uh, and the Street Champions right. versus the Raw. That side. could be a yeah. That could be the main. And that's event, the main event of, of the thing. night. Yeah, they could just do all. I don't think that. In this kind of wrestling audience, I don't think has the patience for that yeah. anymore. I don't think that they like. You watch some of the older Survivor Series shows, right? Like Survivor Series, like nineteen eighty eight, where you just it, like it's all just eight man tags the yeah. entire time, and you're just like, all right, cool, nothing really happens, no one really yeah. cares, but but there's always feuds in between everybody. The problem is that they don't have everybody in a feud, yeah, you know. So it's not like okay, we're gonna have you know Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Virgil and Bret Hart and Roddy Piper against Ted DiBiase, Flair, the Mountie, and, and you know what I mean. So it's like you don't have those like sub storylines like okay this guy's shooting with this guy this guy's shooting with this guy on each team and they happen to just be all good guys and all bad guys and you have that conflict you don't have any of that here well you're not even back in like 2005 yeah when you did smackdown versus raw but like they were actually in like a rating war because yeah. like right. raw was always the a show and people on smackdown were like yo we're actually was a good winning show winning. though it was winning like, right. we're actually exactly. a good show so For then sure. they're trying to catch up now it's like both smackdown and raw are just really really popular shows yeah. and it's like we're not trying to win anything now because we both get two million viewers a year for sure. or a week yeah. or whatever i think raw gets this still though sure. based off of yeah. who they have on smackdown i don't think that they, I, it, seth's going away soon to have a baby corbin's whatever uso's not you know <clears throat> i would love to say kevin owens this is a coming out party again for kevin owens because i think they're missing the boat on him hard right now um I wouldn't be shocked to see this like be like Daniel Bryan or something, quite yeah. frankly, because I know they want to put Bryan with a feud with Roman, which mm-hmm. I think is going to be amazing. Um, but SmackDown, I think, because they're the better show right now, mm-hmm. I think that Rock is my thought. <clears throat> um, but speaking of Survivor Series, though, in, in wrestling in general, I did want to, I did want to come back to a couple things here. Um, first off, this is the, I guess, the 13 year anniversary of Survivor Series 1997. So if we remember 1997, which if you were alive then, maybe, Mike was not. I was three at the time, so there it goes to show you. But Survivor Series 97 is the is the Montreal screw job, right? Where Shawn Michaels wins the world title for Bret Hart. Vince McMahon basically calls the bell, and chaos basically ensues from there. What I want to ask you, Mike, is, you know, because this topic in particular, it, it means a lot to me personally because Bret Hart's my guy, Um but also from a um, from a historic uh, from a historic standpoint, right? It was really the first time that the like the the curtain was kind of pulled on mm-hmm. the business, right? And you go, oh, all right. And it was a mass confusion, and you know you have all this stuff, and it really spurned the Attitude Era. It spurned the Mister McMahon character. 
It led to Stone Cold really having a clear path, uh, even more than he already did, to becoming, you know, the biggest star ever, right? You know, Brett goes to WCW, and everyone thinks, oh, man, WCW's just grabbing another guy, and it doesn't really work out the way that anybody hopes it does. Um, the impact of that night, though, right? Talk to me about what, you know, from, from what you've read and what you've seen and everything else like that. What do you, what's the biggest takeaway from that? From that event, because some people have said it worked, which I don't believe at all, quite frankly, like that it was all planned and everything else like that. But it is really, truly a turning point for the entire wrestling business, mm -hmm. literally encapsulated in one match. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first time I even knew it was a thing yeah. was in 2010. Because yeah. I started watching wrestling probably mid right. to later 2000s. Mm -hmm. And in 2010, they did the whole... Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Yeah, Bret comes back to the company. Yep. And so that was the first time I ever like seen any of yeah. these people together. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what the storyline really is. <laughs> I don't get it. I was like, I don't really know what's going on because yeah. I was like such a new fan at the time. Right. And then all of a sudden he kicks him in the nuts. And right. he's like, I'm never going to forget. I was like, what? I have to go yeah. back. Yeah, you're right. So Come now on, you go. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what is going on right now? Right. So then I went back to watch all of it. And it's just such a, such a big moment because I think really up to that point, like you said, there's never been a... It's, it's anything never, yeah there's never been anything like, like that, that really. right there like, actually is but it was not to the extreme of that yeah. it was so it's it's extremely like and you got to think like look at the context right sean with dx at the time super big heel right he's gaining a lot of steam dx is super popular yeah. brett was probably the biggest heel in the business regardless of company at the moment doing the u.s versus canada thing and not you know and it, so it's like you got this contract and everything else. It's just, I just wanted to take a moment just to look back on it because it is such a, a historic moment. It mm -hmm. is something that literally changed everything. Yeah. You know, because like if we play what if for a second, if Brett would have stayed, right? Even if it only stayed till 2000, that's when he got hurt by Goldberg and he pretty much ended his career. You know, think about the feuds that could have happened, mm -hmm. right? It, it, even if Sean still gets hurt at the end of night, you know, in the middle beginning of 98, you know, Brett still being there, maybe he wouldn't be a top guy, but man, Brett versus Kurt Angle, right? Brett mm -hmm. versus a Triple H, Brett versus Rock, like a lot of these matchups. I mean, more Brett versus Undertaker, obviously. Brett versus Stone Cold, all of these different matchups that you could have had in addition to what they already were going to have in mm -hmm. that Attitude Era. That's that sounds amazing it in does. so many ways, right? And even if Sean doesn't get hurt, if Sean doesn't get hurt, do you see Triple H become Triple H, mm -hmm. right? And do we see? There's just so many what ifs on if things would have happened just a little bit differently. It makes you really wonder, be like, man, the, the the amount of talent and the amount of awesome things we could have seen instead of him going to WCW and wasting the last three years of his career. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, yeah. and for me, it just makes me one of those. It, just because Survivor Series, it, there's not a lot of build up going into the show, so I'm just like, maybe we go back and just look at mm -hmm. some of the classic stuff. Um, real quick on the Undertaker here. Do you think that the Undertaker gets one more match at Mania? Do you think this is the start of something? They're gonna have everybody there. They got the whole Broken Skull crew coming. They got Savio Vega, the Godfather, the Godwins. They got all of, like these people that he rode with are coming to this thing. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for Taker, and he's yeah. basically saying he's retiring, he's done, but never say never kind of yeah. thing. So if he does get a feud, who do you think it's with? Oh, God, I don't even. I just see, think, I'm like, I, who do you do it with? Uh, yeah, who would you even roll with? And see, it, it's hard because I'm like, there's no like, who would maybe like a Daniel Bryan? But I don't yeah. like, I don't know. Like, well, is Bryan gonna be heel for that? That's yeah, like, weird. It's weird. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I'm gonna say he doesn't because I can't think of anybody. Yeah. Unless some like awful heel attacks him, and that's yeah. how they set up some match. But other than that, I'm like, I don't know who... The only one... Yeah, like, the I would be up for it if it's the right guy. However, if it's, like, Braun Strowman or something, yeah. I'm going to lose my damn mind. Because I go, just stay retired. Don't yeah. don't even do it. Because there's no... You're not gaining anything yeah. from this. You know what I mean? So, like, that would be... Yeah. This would have been... If Taker was just a couple years younger, this would have been the time for Roman Taker. Mm -hmm. This would have been the time. Because if Roman would have been on this massive hot streak and is just decimating everybody, which I anticipate he will... To have like the last guy, the last outlaw, the last remnants of that old school is mm -hmm. Taker. That would have been like, you know what I mean, like super big money. Yeah. Um. I also want to talk about a little bit too. This week, you know, or I guess this past week when you guys are hearing this on Monday, um, is the anniversary of two major wrestling deaths. Both Eddie Guerrero died this week, mm -hmm. and Macho Man Randy Savage's birthday 
was uh, is actually on Sunday when we're recording this. So give me your favorite Eddie Guerrero story or match or, or, or memory, and also the Macho Man. Oh, okay. Like, we um, usually don't do this, but it was like, wow, two in the same week of like historic dates and also the fact that they're two of the greatest of all time. So I feel like it's necessary every once in a while to go back and you know yeah. pay, some, pay some homage. Um, I will say for Eddie, probably the No Way Out 2003 title win against Brock Lesnar. Two thousand four, something, yeah, yeah. something like that, um, and his celebration like right after yeah. with all the confetti and having yeah. that big party, fantastic, it was fantastic. Yeah, um, Macho Man. Yeah, Macho Man's before your time. Yeah, like, Macho, Macho Man, Man I wasn't watched... even like anything before. You know what I mean? I mean, he was before my time too. But I, I watched stuff. You know what I mean? Ahead of time, and he, when he was in WCW, I saw a little bit of him live, but before you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. What's your favorite Macho Man moment? There's a couple. Uh, one, WrestleMania 5 um, against Hulk Hogan for the world title. That match is phenomenal. Um, that was great. I, a lot of people point to WrestleMania 3, which we have here in the studio here, against uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat mm-hmm. you know, at Pontiac, Michigan, uh, which is considered one of the greatest matches of all time. I personally think that match gets a little bit too much clout for what it was. I understand it, but... Uh, WrestleMania four for sure. Um, with the with the tournament, he wins the title for the first time. That was also mm, a big one yeah. for me. Um, where it's like, man, like you know, it was really an anointing of the first new babyface outside of Hogan, which was super important. Um, you know, the Macho Man for me will always be a guy where you just like he, he just delivered every mm-hmm. time you wanted him to do something, he delivered. The promos were awesome. The Slim Jim commercials were hilarious. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is just. And the ability to reinvent yourself over and over and over again is always something that will always stick out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a commentary perspective, he was good. From you know from inside the ring, the Macho King stuff was always phenomenal. He was just, he was awesome in, in every stretch of the imagination. So, and, and I'd say my favorite Eddie moment, winning the title was pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty great. Uh, the time that I enjoyed Eddie the most, I think, was, I think actually right before he got the title. When he was on that U.S. title slash, like, doing the Los Guerreros thing. Mm-hmm. Like, as he was building to it, where you just felt like this ground surge watching SmackDown every week. Where it was like, man, Eddie is just mm-hmm. over. Like, he is legitimately the Mexican Shawn Michaels. Like, that is really yeah. what he was on so many levels. I went back this week and watched some of his old WCW stuff against guys like Ray and Dean Malenko and these guys. And you're just like, man, j- the amount of talent that WCW had and missed on is insane but you know what i mean but at the same time it, it you know he, he was so phenomenal in so many ways but you know just thought we'd take a moment here just to kind of you know pay a little bit of homage pay some tribute do some remembrance of two of the greatest of all time some big moments that have happened in accordance to survivor series and everything else so you know i think it's important to go back but that's going to be it for part one after the break we got a lot of stuff coming up, but I'm not going to tell you guys because that means I'm going to tell Mike, and I don't want to tell Mike until we bring it all up. So I'm not yeah. going to do that just yet. So that's we got some big stuff coming your way after the break. Stick around. Hey, guys. The Mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke here. just want to say thank you once again for all the support over these last 100 or so episodes. We got our two-year anniversary coming up just next week, so we really hope you guys tune in for that. Once again, support the show. Please go to belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm Always Right PC to buy the official I'm Always Right Sports Podcast merchandise. Christmas is right around the corner. What better gift to give your loved one than a gift for their favorite sports podcast here in the local Detroit area. Once again, that's belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm Always Right PC. Now here is part two of episode 103. And welcome back to part two of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Episode 103 here. Be sure, guys, to tune in next week. You guys just heard it on the commercial, but... Be sure to tune in for next week's show, the two-year anniversary, 104, Mike, 104. 104. We are there, two years in the making. Um, super excited about that. We got a lot of big, big things coming up here, so it's mm-hmm. never, it's gonna be a minute before we hit episode 200. So, mm-hmm. um, super excited about that. So be sure to be there for that. So let's jump right in here, though, Mike. We got some historic news this week. I don't know if you know about this or not, but. You know what I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna talk about here? I have no idea. Are you sure? I'm gonna give you a second. Historic sure? news. Historic news in the world of sports this week. Uh no, I do no? not. I All really right. cannot think of anything. Okay. Outside so, of, wait, is it something about like Tiger's played the most masters literally ever because he's awesome? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I, no, we're not gonna talk about masters because Tiger ain't really in the contest. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry about you. Uh awesome. but um 
No, we have actually just, the Miami Marlins have just announced that they are hiring, or they have hired the first ever female general manager mm-hmm. in professional sports history. The first, the highest ranking, I guess, female official from, a, you know, from that perspective in any of the core four sports, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which I think is super impressive. Kim Ang, she has been a person in player development for a long time. She won a World Series with the Yankees. She was with the Dodgers. Uh, she's interviewed several times for general manager jobs, and she's finally gotten it. She's the first woman to get this, and I think that's a pretty historic moment for not just baseball, but for any of the major sports, right? We talked about this a little bit, you know, when we very first started this show. We talked about, like, the Becky Hammonds of the world, you know, in the NBA, um, but now we're seeing, you know, the first woman in power to make legitimate personnel decisions. I mean, it's she's going to be building... The Marlins and her image, you know. I mean, I know Derek Jeter is the CEO of the team and everything, but like, it's her, it's her the rule of roost kind of thing. And you know, from what I've read on her, she's extremely qualified for the position. But the question I want to ask you, Mike, is like, are we going to start seeing more of this? Right? Like, when are we going to see the first female head coach in, in any sport? Whether it's what well, I, I think basketball will be the first one to do it. If we're being honest, like I think there's a several. There's a I know Dallas has a a, a female assistant coach. Obviously, the Spurs do with Becky Hammond. Um, you're starting to see finally some female NFL coaches, but mm-hmm. not necessarily holding like I would say, um, like position groups. You know, you always kind of see like okay, it's like assistant receiving coach or this. You know, we're not seeing like a full on like oh no, she's the wide receiver coach or she's the you know defensive backs coach or blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Um, so I think the NFL is still a little farther away. I mean, they're you know I don't think that they're ready just yet, but I think basketball. I think is right around the corner, mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective. Give me just your thoughts on on Kim and getting the getting the GM job, you know, and also, you know, just where where do you where do you see this? This is like a monumental thing, I think, for sports, quite frankly. Oh yeah, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, I'm always in the contention of just hire the best, the best person, person for, the job. for the job. Absolutely. Um, if there was a female head coach that was so far away better in the NFL, I'd want the Lions to go get her. Yeah. You know, like I just want the best person that you think can do the job the best. Yep. And the Marlins said she she can do the job better than anybody else yep. in their mind. And I think it's phenomenal. And yep. I do agree with you. I do think basketball will definitely be the first one mm-hmm. um, to get a head coach. Yeah. Uh, as a female, I think the NFL, you still need to go up to, like, you haven't even seen, like you said, a receivers coach. No. You probably have to be a coordinator, too. Right. So that's yeah. going to be some well, time. I mean, they're still having issues hiring minority head coaches yeah. at this point. I mean, like, teams are doing, like, the NFL is offering incentives for teams developing minority head coaching candidates. Like, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> By any stretch. Like, that should not be a part of the decision-making no. of what color that you are. So, yeah. that I'm guessing women are even further down that totem pole, yeah. unfortunately. But, yeah, but continue. I could definitely see uh, in basketball a coach yeah. leaving this year and definitely hiring someone within the next couple of years. I could even see the Spurs... Yeah, just um, turn when Greg Popovich into, leaves, yeah. I think they have that assistant. Yeah, Becky she, Hammond. Yep. Yeah, Becky Hammond. I think she could easily be the first uh, female yeah, coach Yeah, she, she was the head coach for their G League or for the Summer League. That actually won a championship, I think, a couple of years ago in the G League. So, you know, we've heard that play, players we, – we, we talked about this a little bit, but players just want to be coached and want, to, want the coach to have an answer for you, right? Like, if you can make me better mm-hmm. as a player, I don't really care – what you look like, what you're about, what you're per- like. I don't care about any of that. If, if you can make me better, and most importantly, if you can help us win, that's all that matters, I think, to a lot of professional athletes. I'm sure there's a very small minority of people who maybe would not maybe have that same approach. But from everything that I've read and, and the articles and everything, especially when you started seeing these assistant coaches in the NBA get hired, it was one of those things where you're like, yeah, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, just tell me what to do. Like, yeah. if you if you see something that I can improve on, tell me. I want to yeah. know because I want to win at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Um, so, I, you know, I was very in mind. I was very in line when the Pistons were looking for a new coach after Stan Van, before they hired Dwayne Casey. I was like, maybe, they, maybe they're the ones to break that trend. Maybe they hire a Becky Hammond or somebody like that with a lot of skills. You know, like, I could see people like Sue Bird. You know, from the WNBA, she's still playing at, actively right now, but she just won a championship and she's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. you know, you could see, I could definitely see it coming very, oh, very, very quickly here. You know, and I think yeah. that's super awesome to see. Um, I think it's a bit overdue, quite frankly. You know, and I, I it's, it's going to be interesting for mm-hmm. sure because when that happens, all eyes are going to be on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, I think it'll be a smaller market team to do it mm-hmm. at first. 
You know, because Miami, I know they're in Miami, but the Marlins aren't good. So it's like this is yeah. a perfect opportunity for someone to go in under the radar a little bit and really just build a team in her image. So it's, it's extremely exciting for sure. So I think a lot of people need to be paying attention to that. Um, next thing I want to talk about here is some Tigers talk uh, before we shift to your, probably your favorite topic of the day. So it's fine. Um, but uh, I just wanted to kind of briefly met, get in on the Tigers a little bit. We talked about A.J. Hinch being the new GM, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, obviously Alavila is still here. We got some young up and coming guys coming in. Um, uh, but I want to talk to you about free agency just a little bit here. Not, not guys in particular. It's a little too early for that, but you know, AJ Hinge and Al both have been asked several times over the last couple weeks. Um, what are you going to do in free agency? Like, what's the plan? Are they going to start spending money? Are we still closing the pocketbook and kind of going for the bargain cheap stuff one year, you know? Let's just patch a hole and then hope to God we can develop somebody later. Give me your thoughts on, on where you think the Tigers should be, whether they should be players at, in free agency or they should still continue to kind of hang back and just be like, all right, you're going to come in here for a year, okay, year, mm-hmm. year, you know. I think you're still a year away from mm-hmm. starting to pay people. Yeah. Because I, I think you still need to see what your pitching rotation looks like with the with the young with guys, the right. buys and all and, yep. and the green and all those guys that you're going to be bringing up because i'm assuming they played last year so they're definitely going to be up in the majors this year for sure. and playing sure. the entire year out right. so right. i think with that young core guys if you see okay we have three or four starting guys that can really do well mm-hmm. i think then that's when you can start okay now how's our and then if tokelson does well right. and a couple of your other draft picks and you have a couple good hitters then it's like all right let's get two or three big name guys yeah, better then, guys that are going to come put us over the top yeah and then we can really start and try to like make a quick little like we right. have like a we could start our window basically the, yeah. the four to five year window that you'll probably have mm-hmm. however if the pitching isn't as good as you think and you still need to draft maybe one more guy or get an extra bullpen guy then may, then that's the time when you're like all right now we got to wait an extra year yeah. to make sure. I think right. this is going to be the defining year of if your pitching's really good because yeah. you have three or four really young guys in the mm-hmm. pitching uh, rotation, then, yep, go all in after yes. this season. Right. But if not, I think, it, all right, then we wait. But definitely not this offseason. I don't think they'll make any big-time purchases yeah. because if you do and... It's almost a signal to the fan base, like, no, no, we're going to compete. And then when you don't... Yeah, it's then like, the, right, you turn right. on the fan base, yeah. and it's like, well, now we're not ready, so now we just paid this guy a lot of money. He's going to get older, right? and then it's kind of like you're in a yeah, and, and, and let's put this in perspective, right? You just got out of a bad contract with Jordan Zimmerman coming off the books, right? You The big albatross deal that you still have is Cabrera. You're not getting out of that, so you're just going to ride that wave, right? Yeah. Um, but outside of that, you're not paying anybody a ton of money right now, which is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Because for so long, you were just like, we were hemorrhaging money, but we were competitive. Someone cared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right on the money, though, Mike, With when it comes to that. I don't think that they're necessarily ready just yet to really open the pocketbook for anybody of, like, you know, unless you're getting a guy in his prime. Like, if Mike Trout was all of a sudden, like, uh, the next yeah. Mike Trout was available, okay, you, you dip your toes in the water. But he ain't coming to Detroit anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you are at least one year away, right? And I do think that you are, you know, I think that... You know, I think they will be bargain hunters in a lot of respects, right? You know, I, I think Al even told Hinch in the interview, like, this team is not going to look the same as it did at the end of last year. And I'm like, okay, what does that really mean? Is it more young guys getting an opportunity? Are we going to try to phase out some of the old guys? Are we going to spend money? Especially with the pandemic and everything, I think it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. This is going to be really hard to really, you know, we, you're not going to have the traditional winter meetings. You're not going to have these things where, okay, like, you're going to have some flexibility on what you want to do. I think a lot of teams right now are just going to kind of stand pat. If you have a window open, you still got the window. And if not, all right, we're going to take another year to kind of get our ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, baseball is weird where it feels like a lot of times when a new when a new manager comes in, it's almost like you're expected to win right away. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the NFL, you see we're like, okay, it's going to be a year or two before they really start catching the group. And, you know, basketball, same thing. All right. You know, clearly the coach got fired for a reason. They need to revamp a roster, get a new coach in there. You know, hockey, same way. It's so hard to just be good just off the bat. B- baseball, for whatever reason, it's like, no, no. You're going to have an impact. You know, yeah, and you're just, yeah, yeah, like, let's go. Like, you know, so it's it's a weird mm-hmm. dynamic. But I just figured I'd take your temperature on where you think the Tigers are at right now. Because I agree with you. I think they're not there yet. So it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, all right, last topic, maybe second to last. I'm still him hawing on one that I may save until next week, but okay. depends on how pissed I want to get on this show. But I okay. do want to talk to you about some NBA free agency. NBA free agency okay. opens up on Monday. Um, we've heard the Pistons rumored in a couple different things, and I'm going to bring those up in a second. But 
Uh, first off, how, I mean, are you on like, are you on cloud nine right now? Or are you like in basketball overload? Because we just ended the season like a month ago, mm -hmm. right? I, I feel like I haven't said the word Lakers in like six days. So I guess that's a new record for us. It is. But free agency is right around the corner and there is potential to be some pretty big moves right out the gap. Mm -hmm. Um, well, am I in cloud nine? Pretty much. <laughs> the more basketball and football I can get, the yeah. better for my well-being in life in general. Um, yeah. But you I don't watch the Lions. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I usually skip that. It's so hard. Um, but anyway, oh uh, yes, I do think there are some potential to be some very big moves. Yeah. Um, I don't expect anyone that I usually watch or pay attention to to make any of those big moves, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I do think you can see a Chris Paul kind of take a dip somewhere. Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. Mm -hmm. And I think all these dynamics changing is going to really be interesting for how the NBA moves forward next right. year. Because we really thought, okay, Houston's going to be a powerhouse team. And maybe OKC with Chris Paul would have a chance. But if you're going to lose Westbrook, maybe even James Harden and then Chris Paul from those teams. Yeah. And if they all maybe even go east, because right. they're all rumored to go east right now, yeah. the West really just diminishes a lot. a lot. Yes, for Like, sure. very quickly. Denver's got to be thrilled, because Denver's like, we went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah. Now we're probably the third best team in the conference yeah. now. Yeah, maybe Den four with Dallas. Yeah, right? Denver's thrilled. Yeah. Dallas is thrilled that they'll probably make it to at least semis, if not right. the Conference and then the Finals. Clippers and Lakers. Clippers, Lakers. Yeah. I mean, it's... And Warriors. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. Warriors can yeah. be in there somewhere. Uh, let me ask you just real quick about the Lakers, right? Because I, I've seen a couple different articles now where it's like, okay, can they add a third guy, right? There, there's been some, you know, they've like, okay, can they swing a trade for Chris Paul, right? Can they can they get another guy in here? My question to you is not whether they can, but whether they should. Because in my opinion, they played so well. I mean, so I mean, and I, and I get it. LeBron's getting older. I understand, right? But at the same time. You had a lot of key contributors on that team that you would have to get rid of. And quite frankly, if I'm Oklahoma City, you don't have anything I want right now. Kuzma, maybe, but after that, there isn't anybody on those on that short list of guys that I if I'm Oklahoma City where I'm looking to get younger, cheaper, and I'm looking to get picks. The Lakers have none of those. They don't have youth, they don't have picks, they don't got nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, no. I guess they can take some contracts on, but they, they don't have anything. They don't have a lot of cap flexibility or anything. Like, if you're the Lakers, do you really want to start tinkering with what's working right now outside of, like, this, like the rotational pieces? Uh, you only tinker if it's for the right people. And to be honest, I don't think Chris Paul is the right people. No, I don't think so Specifically for your team. I think if you can maneuver for, like, uh, no, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, for like a Devin Booker or yeah. something. Yeah, okay, then you then you tinker for you that. Bet, you better because whoa. <laughs> because you get a nice sharpshooter over there. Right. Or if you tinker for the right, I, I'll say right piece, but like a a nice shooter or mm -hmm. a nice mm -hmm. another nice big man that you can get or you something. Yeah, you can get like a stretch four yeah. when Anthony Davis is not on the court yeah. to really help to open help. up the offense a little bit. Exactly. I think that's the one piece that if I could see them trying to make a move for and possibly point guard. Yeah. Um, but I think LeBron kind of shifts to the point guard right yeah. now anyway. So well, another another yeah, another wing yeah. would be even better, a really good wing player. So yeah. um but Chris Paul for me, he's getting older. Not that he's bad by any means, but I think him and LeBron do very similar to the same thing. Yeah. And you see that when you have two people on the court that do very similar things, it doesn't really work they out that well. Each other out. Yeah. So um if it's for the right person, I would love it. Yeah. But I don't I think you have to wait. And the big names on the markets right now, the Chris Pauls, the Russell Westbrook, the James Hardens, none of those people I would want. Yeah. They're the too ball dominant. They're way too ball dominant, dominant. Yeah. and they're not as efficient. Let's as talk well, let's talk about Westbrook, right? I don't think Harden's going anywhere. I, I think that yeah. if you, I think if you get rid of Harden out of Houston, I think you're basically telling the fan base, by the way, the window is gone and there's no more window. Like we mm -hmm. we gotta start over basically. They don't have any youth to really build off of right now. Um, it's hard right now mm -hmm. if you're the Houston Rockets. Um, but Westbrook, though, is interesting. Now, I'm going to ask this question knowing I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you want your Detroit Pistons to trade for Russell Westbrook? I wouldn't hate it. Okay. Um, I, I said this, what, 
two years ago. Yeah, we both said this. We both said yeah, this. Yeah, right. I talked you into this because yeah, you, you, were, you, you were not I was, I was, I was him on, and then you were like, why not? And I go, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Why the hell not? Yeah. I think if you add the nice veteran leadership and a guy who can basically just go out and get 25, 10, and 10 every mm-hmm. single game consistently yeah. and puts in 100% effort, even if he's inconsistent from three, even if he's really inconsistent in the jump shot area as a whole, if he can... If he just gives you a hundred percent effort and plays every single game hard, yeah, I I don't see the big problem here, realistically. Here is my, if this was two years ago, you talked me into it. I'm not no, I'm no longer on this train. Here's why. Okay, uh, it's two big reasons. Number one, you have ne- you have you have the ninth. I just I just looked this up actually. You have the ninth most cap space going into this offseason, right? You got around thirty one million dollars right now to play with. Okay. That number will only increase, obviously, as the year goes on, and you know we still surely get out of Blake Griffin's contract, right? Russell Westbrook's contract. You want to talk about a bad contract? Russell Westbrook, at the end of his deal, is going to make like forty-two million dollars in that last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two, um, I am concerned about what you would have to give up because you cannot mortgage the future. Because even with and and Rod Beard from uh, on Twitter there, he covers the Pistons. He said. He think he thinks he found a way where they were able to actually to keep Blake Griffin and acquire Russell Westbrook if that's what they wanted to do. I don't think they will do that. I think Blake would have to go the other way in order to make the deal happen. But just you know what I mean. But I feel like you would be almost stifling all the things that you've done the last two years to get in preparation for the next five. Mm-hmm. Because if you get Russ here, granted, would it make you a much bigger? Threat in the East, yes, right? With teams like, you know, the 76ers, you don't really know what the hell Boston's going to do. They got a lot of picks. They want to get rid of them all. They don't know what they're really doing, right? Um, you know, the Heat, can they repeat and do what they do? The Bucks are going to be in flux in a year from now. So the East is kind of a question mark, right? And especially at the top of it, if you really want to get nitty-gritty with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Pistons have enough with Russell Westbrook to make that run. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that they would have that. I don't think they would have enough. But, and also having to get rid of what they'd have to get rid of in order for me to feel like, okay, we're going to acquire Russell Westbrook, but this is immediately going to put us in title contention. I don't see that happening. Yeah. So I just don't see the the benefit outside of, okay, maybe we win a playoff series. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, just to do it. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what it would look like. Mm-hmm. It's always cool to see a new star come here. Yeah. But... It's a little scary, and I feel like it just hurt us long term. Oh no, I agree. I mean, I yeah, I, I, I kind of make that decision not based off like contract and like yeah. what you give up. Just like, would you want to see Westbrook play? Oh yeah, obviously, it would be cool. obviously, would be obviously, awesome. I don't want to take on forty two million dollars and give away nineteen of our players, <laughs> and we only have fourteen on the roster know, right? to get Russell Westbrook. Right, but at the same time, I think it would be a lot of fun. I to think he's gonna go to the Knicks. I think these yeah. gonna go. I think that I think this is the Knicks move to immediately kind of hope to jumpstart something. They have a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. You know, they got RJ Barrett there. You know, you got the fiftieth coach in fifty four seasons there. Um, to have Russ come in there, he's an immediate star, right? Yeah. And you go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play fast. Gonna be all effort kind of thing, yes. and we're gonna draft somebody, and that's where we're gonna go, right? Mm-hmm. I just it's very interesting to see. Now, second question I have for you here, okay, is you know, if you are the Pistons, and we talked about this, I think a little bit last week. Um, what what is what do you do? What do, what do you want to see the Pistons do here in this particular scenario? Like Fred Van Fleet has already said, I want to get paid, and that makes me as a Pistons fan make me want to throw up because I do not want Fred Van Fleet at all. Do you want to see them deal Derrick Rose? Do you want to see them deal Luke Kennard? Do you want? I I don't think they're going to trade Blake Griffin, and I don't think they need to, quite frankly. Do you want to see them make some more deals to bring on bad contracts so they can get more picks? You know, we're hearing news that they, and I, I'm, I'm going to bring the draft into a little bit of this because my argument has always been you don't have any second round picks for the next five years, and you it's not like you're picking top two. I'm hearing that they want to maybe trade up to get up to the number two or even number one spot to possibly draft Lamelo Ball, which now I'm getting conflicting reports of low place. They're in, they're out. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know where the Pistons are at, so I'm looking to you because you follow the, the the landscape of the NBA a little bit more than I do. What do you want to see this team do from a from a long term? Like, okay, we're not going to compete this year anyway, so what do you want to see them do? You want to see them trade back? Do you want to take that risk mm-hmm. and, and trade number seven in somebody to go and get a ball or a Edwards or a, the mm-hmm. the big was it? What's the one big 
the the tall guy's name. What Patrick? Oh, oh Anthony yeah. Wiseman. Anthony yeah. Wiseman. What do you what do you want to see happen? Is it is it contingent upon whether they can sign Christian Wood to a long term deal? I mean, the draft is coming up soon, but like that's Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, but um, I mean, what I really want them to see, like best case scenario for them, is really just sit, not really do a whole lot. Yeah. And stick at number seven and just pick the best player that you on your board. board. Yeah. I think it's your best move. I don't want you to trade down because then you'll lose. Yep. Those There's players always a that, always that a risk. those yep. players that probably won't be there after the top ten picks, mm-hmm. and then if you trade up, you probably have to give up a Luke Kennard, a Derrick Rose, or something. And I think you need those pieces if you at least want to try to be a semblance of competitive this year. Yeah, yeah. you want to be a basketball team. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be a NBA basketball team that not everyone just looks like make fun of right. all the time, yeah. then you're gonna need a Derrick Rose and a Blake Griffin there. And if you try to get rid of them to like move up to the number two spot or something crazy, then I'm like, well, you just got rid. Like they right. want to get rid of like Blake Griffin to move up to number two or something to the Warriors. And I go, yeah, okay, but then you're gonna pick a guy who's coming out of probably high school, basically. Yeah. Anthony Wise would come out of high school almost. Right. And hasn't played any basketball in two years, right. and you're just gonna plop him in in a month to play yeah. NBA basketball. Okay, we need you to play meaningful minutes now. Yeah, right. yeah. Like with, I don't, with I don't. no veteran leadership at, at all. all. <laughs> yeah, because the only guy there would be Derrick Rose, and they'd probably ship Derrick Rose off somewhere too. Yeah. So I kind of just want them to stay stagnant, not really sign do anybody. You, do you want them? Do you want them to go point guard? Or do you want them to go a big? I think it's got to be a point guard. In my personal opinion, I think it has to be a point guard. I do here. too, because I'm think... point guard, shooting guard ish type guy. No, I think it needs to be like the most pure point guard yeah. you can get. Yeah. Because I think that Derrick Rose is going to leave probably after this I didn't even trade him. I still, tra- I still think he's going to get traded. Trade him. him. He won't be here at the start right. of the 2021 season probably. Yes, correct. And so then I'm like, if you're not going to have him, you need a guy there. Mm-hmm. And so just draft mm-hmm. the best available point guard at number seven. and then Because yeah. you have Blake Griffin and Christian Wood as your bigs. Yeah. So you don't really need right. – ju- you can sign another big yeah. in free agency, but I don't think you need to draft one. Yeah, it's, I think it's, you need to draft a good point guard. Right. Yeah, I think you need a facilitator. And you not Fred VanVleet. Yeah. No, and that's the, and that's the key, right? Is that they really did. They, I don't want to see the Pistons outside of them signing Christian Wood long term. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to really see anything. You know what I mean? Like, I, I you need to give the young guys you have. You need Bruce Brown getting minutes, right? You need Svee, whatever his last name is, yes. getting minutes. You need can. I don't really want. I don't know why Kennard has come up in trade talks. I like Luke Kennard. I think his defense is atrocious, but I think he's the best shooter you it's have. Kyle and it's not even close, right? So I think he brings meaningful minutes off the bench. I don't think he's a starter for you, but I think he could. I think he's a very good player for this roster. So it's like, I don't really feel like making a splash move because I don't think you're in the position. Like, if the Warriors were, like, like picking 12, and, like, okay, they had some injuries, but they could, they were still relatively confident, and they wanted to go get a Wiseman to fill that middle, of the, which is what they desperately need. I think he's going to wind up going there. Um, that would make more sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've, you have a championship window. You have two of the best shooters in the league, period, not even close. That is the time to make a move when you feel like you're you're one or two pieces away from making it. The Pistons aren't there yet with that. So it, for me, I don't even like talks of them going up because like if I, I'm almost in the trade downs here. Like if Boston wants to give you three picks, mm-hmm. I'm probably I'm very inclined to possibly do that. Like yeah. if that's what they want and there's a guy at seven that they're in love with, man. Sold, good mm-hmm. deal, because now I get three picks at the dartboard. I can address three needs, and I can even take a little bit of a risk now and maybe take a guy who maybe didn't have the best you know, output in college, but maybe is just an athletic freak, and he's got upside up the yin-yang like Sekou does, right? Mm-hmm. And Sekou didn't you know, blow the doors off anybody, but he's just an athletic phenomenon, right? He's just, a, he's just an athletic kid who doesn't even know what the hell he's doing yet. So there's some flexibility for the Pistons, but... Giving away the future and mortgaging the future on this draft, especially when there is not a Zion type of guy, mm-hmm. is not the move in, in any stretch of the imagination. Okay. So it's, it's it's a little scary. A little scary for just throwing it out there. It makes me makes me nervous. All right. You know what? We're going to do this. All right. We're going to go to break real fast, and then we're going to talk on one last topic here. I feel like it needs to get done. I've been... <laughs> I've been fighting the good fight on Twitter here the last couple weeks, so I think it needs to be addressed, and I think we need to kick this in the butt right now. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I think you do probably, but either way, we're going to do it after the break, so please stick around for an extended episode of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Hey guys, the Malcolm Michigan, Robin Dyke here for an extended part three of this week's show. We once again just want to say thank you so much for all the support. 
please make sure to go like our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at I'm, we are at I'm Always Right PC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So make sure to go like our pages there. Also, go give Mike and myself a follow. If you go to our SoundCloud page and our Twitter page, you can find both of our Twitter handles there as well. So once again, we really appreciate all the support. Now here's a special extended part three for episode 103. And welcome back once again. I know you're shocked. We're all shocked. I'm a little shocked. This was not planned for this part of the show, but I feel like it needs to be addressed. And I've already had Mike on his toes all day today, so I figured why not one more monkey wrench at it. All right, we're going to talk Lions here for a second. But what we're not going to we're not going to talk about Matt Patricia getting fired. That hasn't happened yet. If they lose to Washington, which once again you'll already know that result. If they lose that, he'll probably get fired anyway. So it's fine. Um, I'm kind of we've all kind of made I think our bet that they're going to get fired. So it's cool. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is the Lions draft last year. Okay. Now I have been getting into some Twitter wars this past week because of the way Tua and Mr. Herbert have been playing so far in their careers. Now. Lions fans tend to do this, where they look at a player that they could have had, and it's, it's, it's easy to do, right, and say, wow, what if we had that, okay? The quarterback position, though, I don't think you can do that in this particular snare where the Lions were. Let's take you back a whole season, okay? Stafford gets hurt. He's having the best statistical career year of his, of his career outside of the one year where he threw 41 touchdowns, right? Um, you're picking number three. Ownership makes a mandate. You need to win now. Okay? Ships lay out. You, you have a massive hole at corner, right? Jeff Okuda looked at as the best corner prospect probably since Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey, if you want to make that make those comparisons, okay? Um, Lions fans, a majority were clamoring for Isaiah Simmons or maybe a Derek Brown, maybe an Okuda. There was a vocal minority, I think, of people who wanted Tua at three. Okay. Um, now we've seen what Tua's done, you know, they're playing well under Tua, Herbert's playing really well, right now the results maybe aren't their win-loss record, but Herbert's playing well, okay? The argument is people are making now, because Stafford has not played well this year, we can all say it, right? He has not looked good, he does not look like him, for whatever reason, that the Lions should have drafted Tua or Herbert at three. Now, my argument, and I'm going to let Mike get on this too, because Herbert's his man, you know, and, we, and to be fair, Herbert was not on our radar at all during the draft. We do extensive draft coverage here. He was not on our radar. We didn't think that he was going there. His combine was not great. So the fact that he's playing as well as he is, which is awesome to see, just wasn't on our radar. But regardless, my, my logic is this. You were never going to take a quarterback at three. Never. For just the reasons I listed above. Your defense was the worst in the league last year. You had a massive hole at corner because you gave away because you trade away, traded away Slay, which you can argue is a good or bad move, depending on how you want to look at it. That's fine. I'll take either side of that argument. Um, Stafford was playing well, if not amazing, last year before he got hurt. You have, at, up and going into this season, you had three years left on his deal, so Stafford was not getting traded this year. He was not getting cut this year without taking a $30 million cap hit. And you needed to win now. And that is the part I want to focus on is that you needed to win now. Now they're not winning, no doubt, right? Like that that part is blown up in their face. And that's why everyone's going to get shit canned at the end of this year. But the, the mandate was they needed to win now. Drafting a rookie quarterback was not going to help them in any stretch of the imagination. Okay? Now the argument is, well, you have the next guy for next year. The Lions are not probably not going to trade Matt Stafford or release him next year. And you want to know why? Because they would take a $24 million cap hit next year if they got rid of Matt Stafford. They'd save $10 million. They'd get rid of him for $24 million in dead cap. Okay? Now, the year after that is a very high possibility because it's only a $10 million cap hit. Okay? You'd still be 3-5 and five regardless of what they did in the draft. Okay? Isaiah Simmons is playing 35-40% of snaps in Arizona right now. He is just now getting into the rotation. Derek Brown has been a non-factor for Carolina at the moment. I, I'm going to stay by this that a quarterback was never going to be an option. And because of the way Staff, where Stafford is, is in his contract, you do not benefit from having that quarterback sitting there on a rookie deal. Because that's what people like to talk about is the rookie deal, right? Is that... You know, Mahomes and these guys, they all go in there and they, they fit in and they're, they can spend money elsewhere because, you know, you're not paying the quarterback. Lions have plenty of cap space. 
They have the seventh or eighth most cap space in the league right now. And once again, you lose that rookie contract advantage when your rookie quarterback is not playing for two years. And third of all, all these rookie quarterbacks, I'm going to take two and Herbert out of it because we don't know yet. But outside of that, the Mahomes, the Lamars, they all walked into a team ready to go. They needed the last piece. Mahomes was the final piece for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They needed him to take them over the top, and he's played phenomenal. Lamar is what Baltimore thinks is the final piece in replacing Joe Flacco. So I'm going to say this again. The Lions were correct in not taking Tua or Herbert in last year's draft. I'll let you have your rebuttal now. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I'm springing on this on, well, on Mike right now. Well, I'm going to break that down because I agree and disagree with some points. Okay. Um, I will say to your, what, what would that be? The conclusion of the yeah. argument, the last sentence that you made. Yeah. I do agree at the end of the day that taking the quarterback would not have been the right move. Yes. And I'll put out why I believe okay. that. But for starters, would I love, if I could have hindsight 2020, I would love to now have Justin Herbert. Of course. But I will say that coming out, I didn't think he would be as good as he is. Oh. So I, can, I, I will right. never blame the Lions. Now, Tua, if he turns out to be something like, Amazing. If he's like Russell Wilson or something or some crazy shit well, like that. Well, let's put context for Tua and Herbert for a second, right? Tua coming off a major injury, yeah. right, with the hip, right? Yeah, yeah. He hadn't played well. And I'm also going to put this in. We don't know what Herbert or Tua would look like right now because they wouldn't be playing if they were in Detroit. Like, yeah. let's just put that out there as well. Yeah, that's they, also, they would not they be could, playing. So that could be they could fair. still be amazing that they're doing right now, but... The point that we would not know that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah. just hypothetically saying that yep. from where they would be, Tua is hit or miss depending on what he is eventually. Yeah. Like I'm, te- I, I'm telling you, seven years. He hasn't year- blown the doors off of yeah, you Yeah, five years from now, if he's Russell Wilson or some crazy stuff, then you go, right. all right, maybe we miss on that because that's what he could have been right. in Detroit. Uh, Justin Herbert, I not think, would be nearly as good as he is right now. Yep. So we definitely miss on that. But I was never, I will never blame the Lions because I was never looking right. at Herbert being like, oh, yeah, that's the next guy. No. no. Um, Still a great player. And we don't know. We're yeah. seven games in, guys. Yeah. Let's be real here. I will, say, I will say, I think one thing about taking Jeff Okuda at three was one of my concerns going in yeah. was – you say that quarterback's one of the hardest positions to just walk into. Absolutely. I think corner is probably oh, yeah. the number two Absolutely. to walk in and do. No doubt. And I think that given that even though you had the well, beginning of the year, you right. hypothetically had Desmond Trufant and then he got hurt and Justin yeah. Coleman, he got hurt. Yeah. So he had to play starting role. That's fine. But also, like, you like you had to maybe look at more depth then because mm-hmm. Okuda having to guard Devontae Adams is a rough go. Is a rough go playing Michael Thomas. Is yeah. a rough go. Like all these, or not Michael Thomas. He yeah. played um, DeAndre Hopkins right. or whoever. Right. It was a rough go all around. So right. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with picking maybe Okuda at number three, but I also don't think picking a quarterback at number three. Maybe yeah. Isaiah Simmons because he would have fit the linebacking and safety scheme more. Yeah. Um, but that's that. Now, to the point of, I didn't think that the Lions were gonna really win this year anyway because I didn't think that the team and the right. scheme was the gonna work. The mandate was win now. And I didn't, think, was win I didn't think they were right. going to win now. Like, I just didn't have right. the confidence that they would win now. Right. So I am more in a benefactor that you have the new coach and the new GM or whatever come in and they draft the quarterback that they want. Because mm-hmm. my problem would be if you say you picked Herbert or you picked Tua, right. but then the scheme that the new people come in there you is... Go. This guy doesn't fit. Yeah, he doesn't fit. So now we got to pick a new guy anyway. That would be the problem. So I will say now going into this next season with whoever the new coach and the new GM is, assuming that we're going to be picking top 10 and we have a range of quarterbacks that we can look at and pick, I would be very open to pick a quarterback this season, knowing that Stafford has two Correct. years left. He'll sit Correct. behind Stafford probably. Correct. And Correct. you have the Correct. new coach there. Right. And But this, season, but this past season, right. knowing it's win now and Matricia, as you all see, he has nine wins in the two years, probably won't win now. No, no. it's, it's The odds that they were going to win now was very, very small. Yeah. So I think that now you yes. have this new, whether it's Eric Lenemy or whoever you find right. somewhere, they pick... You know, they get the Trey Lance, they get the, you know, the Justin, the Fields, Justin Fields, right. whoever they can mm-hmm. maneuver around and pick. And then they sit behind Stafford for probably a year, maybe half a year, depending yeah. on if Stafford gets hurt or whatever. And then he comes in, okay, that's your guy. Well, and, 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 you, two, and then you picked right. the guy. Right, yeah. And two, let's, let's you know, this year, this upcoming season, right, not this one that we're currently in, the next one, He's it's a $24 million cap hit. They're not getting rid of him for nothing. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to take that much dead money on for nothing, Okay. 
the other point I want to make here a little bit, because I think people are looking at, well, you know, like, wow, Miami's 5-2 and two or whatever the hell they are, right? I'm like, okay, okay. But let's, we need to put some context here. What does the team look like around Tua, and what does the team look like around Stafford as it's built right now, right? And where, where would Tua, or I'm sorry, where Tua would be in Detroit were compared to where they're in Miami. Miami's done a nice job. Miami basically had a fire sale last year. They revamped everything, right? They traded away everybody that they could, and they made some big signings, right? And it's working right now for them, okay? I'm not a big fan of, of and this logic I think has now been proven over time by a lot of NFL franchises of, okay, we need to get the quarterback first. And here's why. And before that was the logic, right? When the Lions drafted Stafford uh, in 09, they were the worst team in the league set records for how bad they were, okay? So the logic was, get our quarterback, put a team around him. They have not put a team around him. So my point is now, maybe instead, maybe let's do the other thing. Let's do what the Chiefs did. Let's do what Baltimore's done. Let's do what some of these teams are attempting to do. Let's do what Chicago has done with Trubisky, even though it's not going to work out, but... The fact is, is that they were successful. You you put a team that is competent with below competent quarterback play in there, and they're still able to win games. That's the time to go take your rookie quarterback and say, "Kid, keys are yours. Go win us football games now." Right? Like, it is so hard for a rookie to come in and just take a, like. Let's Herbert is playing phenomenal right now. Right? They're still three and five. They're not playing. They're not winning right now. Right? So the logic dictating is if he had a more complete team around him, they would probably be what? Based off what he's playing like right now, 4-2 and two or 5-2, and two, you know, depending on what he's doing. They could have beat the Chiefs this year. They should have beaten, you know, some of these other teams. They're just coming up just short. But my point is, is that you need to have a team. This team is in such disarray right now. You have unathletic linebackers. You've got... Two corners right now that you're hoping to build off. Outside of that, you don't have anybody after this year. You don't, ha- you know, you need to re-sign some of your safeties. You have an older safety that you need to get rid of. Your defensive line has no playmakers on it outside of Trey Flowers. Your defense is in shambles. The half of your offensive line, you don't know what you have. You have no wide receivers outside of Quintez Cephas and the guy they signed out of Green Bay, uh, Allison, under contract next year for wide receiver depth. And you've got one tight end. And you've got a bunch of running backs that you may or may not know how to use. So this team, as we've seen it break down, is not ready to compete, okay? My logic is to keep Stafford at least up until the end of next year, where your cap, if, okay, you take a $10 million cap hit, but you trade him, you kind of offset that a little bit, right? If they get a quarterback in the first round, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be pissed because it's, you know... Stafford's coming into his mid-30s. It's 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 time to start thinking about life without Matthew Stafford. I'm totally in agreement with that. But to say that making putting a rookie quarterback in this current situation that we would be better is asinine to me. Because you, you're basically going to do to that rookie quarterback what you did to Matt Stafford. Which is you say, okay, kid, here you go. It's the same thing that Green Bay has done to Aaron Rodgers to a greater degree of success. But it's like, we're not going to hit on our draft picks. We're not going to give you any support. You're just going to need to carry us. Mm -hmm. And the greatest generational quarterback that we have seen probably in a long time in Aaron Rodgers has been one Super Bowl because of his team's inability to put enough pieces around him, whether it's defensively or offensively, to get him there, to allow him to be like, you know what, I don't need to be perfect all the time. Look at New England. New England missed on, what, the last five years of their draft picks, and they are now paying for it because Brady is gone. So the logic of putting a rookie quarterback in and just saying, well, it could be better than this, Okay, but you're also taking the risk that you're um, you're assuming that the next quarterback you take is going to be heads and tails better than Matthew Stafford. You haven't found one of those in 50 years. You've had one competent quarterback in 50 years. So th- excuse me if I'm not necessarily eager McBeaver about throwing the coin flip again because you could be the New York Jets right now ruining a quarterback that has a great amount of talent. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm totally with you, Mike, on taking a quarterback next year. They take Justin Fields. I'll be perfectly content with it because I know, okay, this is Stafford's probably his last year. We're going to get Justin Fields in in 2022, and we're going to roll, right? And we're going to start building a team around him. If they don't take a quarterback this year, I won't be mad because I go, okay, you got Stafford still, Chase Daniels still here. You take Micah Parsons, wherever that middle linebacker is out of Penn State, and you roll, right? And you get more athletic with a new scheme. The point is, is that I just wanted to address this a little bit because I think it's so important because I think the Lions fans right now are just, I think they're just pissed off in general by the way the season is going. And once again, Stafford has not played well. 
He has not looked good. He's making dumb decisions. He looks frantic in the pocket at times. And I haven't seen it. I've seen stretches where he looks really good. But overall, he has not played well. But to say that taking a quarterback here would have would have made would have changed the Lions' fortunes, it doesn't make any sense. From a financial perspective, it doesn't make sense. From a from a uh, a scheme perspective, it doesn't make any sense. From a win now mandate, which is what they were under, which is what ownership wanted to do. If they would have came out and they would be five and two right now, nobody would be having this conversation. So that it's just I'm I'm just telling you guys, if you are a Lions fan, you have every right to be pissed off. You have every right to be upset. But put it in context of where they were at the time when they made the pick. You don't like Okuda? Fine. I think he's playing pretty darn well considering what they're asking him to do. you got no overhelp, safety help, and you've got no pass rush. Rookie corners are going to get killed doing that. But he's playing. He's a top five rookie corner right now. He was at one point the highest rated rookie corner in the league. So I'm not pissed about the Okuda pick. You can say you wanted Simmons. You can say you wanted Derek Brown. That's fine. The point is still the same. Taking a quarterback at three was not the move okay it's okay it's okay to be a fan it's okay to think about the what ifs there's plenty of what if we can have aaron donald right now we can have jj watt we have a lot of people but we don't so look at the context of why they made the pick or where they made it and then make your assumptions you don't like stafford that's fine you got every right to not like him at this point he ain't playing well right now but if he goes on a stretch of nine games where he throws 19 touchdowns and four picks no one's gonna be bitching about matthew stafford so put it in context think about it and then make your assumptions. You want a new coach in? So do I. So does Mike. We've been clamoring for it for three weeks now. Okay? It's okay to be upset about where the team is. But you can't look at apples to apples and say well, that Justin Herbert would be doing the same things here in Detroit. You can't say the two will be doing the same things here in Detroit. It's just not the same thing. Tom Brady would be struggling with the way this team is playing right now. I mean, shit, he just threw three picks against the Saints, for God's sakes. You know, it's hard. This team is not good. They don't have a lot of talent on this team right now. So you're asking a lot from a 21-year-old kid to somehow take it over the top. We did it once. Let's not ruin another quarterback. Okay? Okay. Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. It was stressing me out. I have arguments left and right with it. It's just, it, it's, it's all about context. Context is always king in my world. So, anyway. I'm really, talking, I'm really excited about talking about the draft, though. It's going to be fun. But anyway, next week, we're going to be talking NFL pretenders and contenders. We're going to be, or I'll be halfway through the season at this point, we're going to talk about some of the teams that are kind of floating around the, spot, the top spots there. We're going to be doing that. We're going to be talking the Pistons draft, obviously. We may be even hitting back on NBA free agency, depending on what moves possibly happen. Lots of big stuff coming your way next week. I appreciate you guys letting me stand on my soapbox for a minute and talking about this, but I had to get it off my chest. Uh, but that's going to be it for this week's show. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merc Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, 